My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus proposed another parable to the crowd, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds all through the wheat and then went off. When the crop grew and bore fruit, the weeds appeared as well. The slaves of the householder came to him and said, Master, Did you not sow good seed in your field? Where have the weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. His slave said to him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? He replied, No, if you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until harvest. Then at harvest time I will say to the harvesters, First, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles for burning, but gather the wheat into my barn. He proposed another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a person took and sowed in a field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when full grown, it is the largest of plants. It becomes a large bush, and the birds of the sky come and dwell in its branches. He spoke to them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch was leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. He spoke to them only in parables to fulfill what was said through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will announce what was lain hidden from the foundation of the world. Then dismissing the crowds, he went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He said in reply, He who sows good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed, the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Just as weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect them out of his kingdom, all who cause others to sin, and all evildoers. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears ought to hear. The Gospel of the Lord. On Friday, the polling firm Gallup released some of its latest findings documenting that Americans' belief in God has dropped to the lowest in the firm's history. From vast majorities in the early 2000s of over 90% to 
to now just about 74%. One reason for this decline that people cite is if there is a good God, why does he allow so much evil to exist in the world? People seem upset, justifiably, by the way, that things are not perfect. They're frustrated like the servants in the gospel today. Why are there weeds among the wheat? Why does it seem like the harvest isn't going to turn out right? Why would the work of the good master fail? And there's something to that argument. I think most of us are intimidated by those weeds. We wonder why they're there. We start to doubt the sower as we focus solely on the bad things in the world, in our worlds, that have the potential to discourage and distract and upset us. We focus on the weeds, their existence, their presence among us, and we can forget the beautiful garden, all the rest of the flowers blooming along with those weeds. That question of the problem of evil, if God is so good, so loving, why does he allow bad things to happen, is an interesting debate that theologians and philosophers love to engage and argue and challenge each other with. But when we're not talking about evil things on a theoretical, hypothetical level, but experiencing them, when we see them on a rampant level, when we can add our own personal items to that already lengthy list, while it loses some of those interesting qualities, it has the potential to undermine our faith, causing us to join those numbers that Gallup just found. That's why even though this parable isn't as popular or as memorable as some of Jesus' others, like the Good Samaritan or the Prodigal Son, in some ways this parable is one of the most important ones for us to reflect on. Because Jesus encapsulates all of our why do bad things happen in that question that the servants address to the owners of the fields when they ask, why are there weeds in your garden? And there's something comforting and frustrating at the same time as we reflect on this, which is probably why it's not so memorable or popular as a parable. The comforting thing is that we hear Jesus acknowledge that all is not right. Quite clearly, Jesus identifies that there is evil in the world, that the devil is real, that this enemy does look for all kinds of ways and opportunities to continue to cause people to turn away from God and to turn on one another. So it's somewhat reassuring to our our longing for justice to hear Jesus not mince words in explaining that at the end of time, All sin, all evildoers will be dealt with as he explicitly talks about the realities of heaven and hell. The frustration comes with the follow-up questions of why. Questions that are never really fully addressed. Why does it exist? Why doesn't God take care of it now? Why does he allow it to still afflict and affect others? Why does God allow this? Why are there weeds in his garden? It wasn't until I found myself going through that litany of questions, asking why this, why that, that I could hear the Lord's voice speaking in my heart, asking, well, why do you allow it? And not in some heady social justice manner of thinking where I can philosophically look at the world's problems and imagine I have all the answers and I just need to convince other people that they're wrong. 
but instead on a much more personal level, why do I allow weeds in my garden? Why am I not more vigilant of outside negative influences that sow fear and anger and hatred in my heart? Why do I ever look for happiness and satisfaction in ways other than what God calls me to? Why do I give in to selfishness and self-centeredness? Why do I allow those weeds in my garden? And I don't have a great answer for that either. There are sins that I commit that I know I'm wrong at the time I'm doing it. And for one reason or another, I don't care. I just give in to the anger of the moment. For example, a few weeks ago, this guy's texting on his phone. He's smoking the cigarette and he almost plows his car into me as I'm jogging. I knew that the anger in my heart and on my lips and in my actions were wrong. But at that moment, my brain overruled my heart saying, he was wrong first, so two wrongs, they don't make a right, but at the moment, they kind of canceled each other out, at least in my own mind and thinking. And that's on me. <laughs> I knew a few minutes later when I realized that was stupid, thank God I didn't get hit, thank God there wasn't an accident. Those sins are somewhat easy to identify and repent of and hopefully learn from. But I think of other things where maybe that self-awareness wasn't so immediate. I started out fighting for the right thing, but didn't recognize that anger was creeping into my heart about a particular issue or that people that had a contrary view, where arrogance and being uncharitable crept in, and where in my thoughts or response wasn't so much about fighting for a cause, it started seeing people as enemies. Looking around at our, our public discourse and debates on a whole range of issues today, that seems to happen a lot. Perhaps it's not even limited just to our era, though. There's an anecdote recounted about one of the greatest of Catholic philosophers and writers, G.K. Chesterton. A newspaper in 1905 asked readers to explain what they thought was wrong in the world. And Chesterton's response was the shortest and the most memorable of all the letters. He wrote, the answer to the question, what is wrong, is or should be, I am wrong. Why do any of us allow weeds in our garden? Thank God, God is patient. Thank God, He's loving. Thank God, He's merciful. And that's the good news of this gospel. That Jesus sees the potential within each of us to be a weed or abundant fruit. And He keeps giving another chance. He keeps waiting. He keeps reaching out to us to be mindful of his message, telling us in those closing words of today's gospel, whoever has ears to hear ought to hear. Because even when we've made a mess of things, even when our sins have caused a mess in our lives and maybe even hurt others, he can still create something new. We're always just one confession away from being wiped completely clean and being able to start afresh. There's so much that's messed up in our worlds right now. But before I let that completely unsettle me and go down unproductive rabbit holes where I start making judgments and suggestions to the Lord on how things ought to be, I've learned that it's then and there that I need to stop. I need to come back to being grateful, for example, that that guy didn't run me down with his car, knowing that the Lord has given me more time more time to be attentive to the own weeds of my own garden. 
And maybe that's the Lord hope. That's his plan. How much better would the entirety of his garden look if we were all to do the same?